I didn't shake your hand, and I did. Wait. Oh no! What is that? We're checking the live streaming tonight. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Uh, oh, Charles, how are you, sir? Good to see you. Uh, 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 it's, uh, it's a good time. Oh,
Good evening to y'all. How are we doing this evening? We're doing good? Amen and amen. If you're able to rise, we would love for you to join us in singing hymn 259. 259. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Hymn 259. To God be the glory. Hymn 259. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life and atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father, through Jesus the Son, and give him the glory, great things he has done. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase
Amen. Just think, it's almost, January's almost over. February just goes by really quick. And then March, is, I mean, spring is on the way. Man, I'm, lo I'm looking forward to it already. Amen. Amen. Well, get your bulletins out. And uh, let's go over those real quick. Anybody need a uh, prayer sheet while you're, Miss Myra needs one then. Uh, anybody else need a prayer sheet while Brother Benjamin's coming that way? Please remember, everything's going on Sunday. Uh, our Brother Al Reichman will be here and uh, preaching for Sunday uh, morning in our uh, morning worship. So please uh, just be here ready for that. I know you'll enjoy him. Uh, he is the uh, gentleman that we went to Israel with. So he's just a, a wealth of information. And uh, so you'll, you'll really like him. So please don't miss it. That'll be in our 1030 uh, worship. So also don't forget all, Sunday is our uh, fifth Sunday sing. And then also our fellowship after church Sunday. If you didn't, haven't signed up yet for to bring something, please do that. Bring something with you. Because I want everybody to stay and eat. Amen. Amen. I, I'd like for everybody to stay and eat. And, uh, and someone's asked me the other day, and I said, listen, if, if you don't bring anything, that's fine. I just want you to stay. It's about the fellowship. It's not about the food. It's nice to have the food. Amen. That's just a perk. Uh, but the fellowship is, is what it's all about, to spend a little time with your family. We, we don't have time to fellowship much between... You know, before Sunday school or, or sometimes in between Sunday school and church. And uh, so this is an opportunity to do that, just to sit. We, Sherry and I was watching something on TV, and it showed a family around the Sunday dinner table. And I said, nobody has time for that anymore. And, uh, you know, but it sure be good for us. Well, we're going to have a family Sunday dinner this coming Sunday for, for this church family. And so you please come and. That's an opportunity to bring someone with you and, and uh, who may not uh, normally come. So uh, sign up out here on the, on the sheet for what you're, you're going to bring. And there's different categories out there. <coughs> Pardon me, out there as well. So don't forget about that. And then sign up if you want to sing. All right? Miss Myra, are you going to sing? If you'll sing, I'll sing. If you sing, I'll sing with you, okay? All right. Uh, Brother Will, did you sign up? You know, he thought he was going to sing Sunday, this past Sunday. So this would be a good opportunity for him to sing. Amen. Amen. So uh, just, uh, you know, just, we'll, I think we might be able to get him to do that. But anyway, sign up out here uh, for that as well. All right. Um, uh, oh, it seemed like there was something else I wanted, uh, wanted to remind you about. But those, those two things, uh, uh, very much so. I, uh, Dad, I went over and saw him a little bit yesterday, spent a few a couple hours with him and my mom. And, man, listen, he was very impressed with the spirit of the church. Amen. And if there's one thing I know that uh, pre pastors know, and that is they recognize a sweet spirit in a church. And um, he said that before he left Sunday. And uh, when I was over visiting with him a little while yesterday, uh, he said the same thing more than once. And so he said, man, you sure have some good people. And I said, I know. they got to be good people to put up with me. I mean, Brother Marco, to put up with Brother Marco. So, uh, but I'm thankful. God is blessed, Central Park Baptist Church. 
And, uh, and I've said it, well, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times, the spirit that's in this church doesn't it just come. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't just happen anywhere. Uh, it's really a gift of Almighty God, but it shows well for the people. And, and uh, I bragged on you, told Dad, I said, man, God's been good to Central Park. And so I just want to relay, I like to relay that. You need to hear that. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. So just uh, keep praying for one another, all right? Uh, but please don't forget about everything that's going on. Uh, Saturday, soul winning uh, at 930, if it's uh, weather permits. So men, y'all be out, ready to go for that, all right? And, uh, and of course, everything else is going on in a bulletin. All right, now, prayer sheets. If you grab those real quick, um, remember to... Uh, let me add, please add the Carlisle family, if you would please, uh, to your prayer list for some help. Uh, thanks for their family. Pray for them. Uh, continue to uh, pray for these that are on the help list. Um, again, uh, Miss Erica and Brother Maker for their cancer. Uh, I talked to Brother Dennis, and uh, he and Miss Susie are on the mend. They're doing much better, so continue to pray uh, for them, um, as well as uh, Brother Gary, and if you would please, and again, all these that are on um, on the list here, so keep them in your prayers. Uh, again, pray for uh, Brother uh, uh, Brother Choi and the uh, Korean ministry. Continue to pray for them uh, that they continue to grow. He's had a lot of visitors, some that are in the this area just for a few weeks, and but uh, pray that God will send him a, a key family, someone that can really. Uh, make a difference and reach out into the Korean community for, for them, so keep them in your prayer as well, all right? Uh, again, uh, pray for, uh, uh, anyway, we'll get to that in a minute, but keep all these on your prayer, uh, in your prayers. And um, Are you doing good with your books, by the way? Everybody still doing all right? Keeping up with those? Good. Continue to pray. I was, I was telling somebody about that the other day, and they said, man, we need one of those, and I said, well... I think they're proprietary, so I don't know if we get you one of them or not. You know, one thing about prayer, you just can't, can't just anybody do it. <laughs> I don't know, y'all are laughing, so that's all right. Uh, pray for our sound system, it's getting there. We've still got some components that are not here yet, uh, but it, I'm t I've heard a lot of compliments on it, and I'm thankful some that are, have just listened on live stream. It's made a huge difference there as well. Uh, so keep praying that, that we get everything in. And uh, <clears throat> we can start using everything. When it all gets together, it's really going to be nice. So uh, I appreciate that very much. Pray for our guys that are working on that. That's a big learning curve when you go from analog to digital. Right. Uh, so pray for them as well, all right? Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, pray for these that are on our list. And remember the, uh, the things that are coming up this coming Lord's Day, all right? Dear Lord, we thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your, your goodness. I'm thankful for prayer. We're going to talk about uh, prayer tonight, Lord, through Daniel, and I pray, God, that you'd, uh, Lord, just help us, God, to not pray amiss, to pray, Lord, within your perfect will and every uh, request, every supplication, Lord. I pray, God, that you'll have your perfect will in everything that we ask about tonight. Uh, God, we pray for these that have been sick, Lord. I, I, I think of Miss Erica and Brother Maker, Lord, with cancer. I think of Brother Dennis and uh, and Miss Susie and their health. I think of Brother Gary uh, Lund, Lord, and his uh, kidneys. God, I pray that you would uh, be with him. And Lord, that all of these that are on our help list, I lift them up in prayer tonight. God, a special prayer for uh, the Carwiles, Lord, and 
uh, God, I, I pray for, I believe it was Miss uh, uh, Miss Barb's mom. I lift him up in prayer and ask you, God, to be with, with her. Uh, God, I, I pray that you, you just watch over them and take care of them tonight, Lord, as Along with the, our other folks that are dealing with some health issues, God, that have missed the last few weeks, I pray for them, God. Ask you, Lord, please to, Lord, just give them help so that they can be back this Sunday. This would be a good day for them to come where they could just sit and, and uh, uh, be fed, not only spiritually, but also with some physical food. And then hear some singing from our folks. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd just speak to them, Lord, and, and lift them up physically, uh, God, this week. Lord, bless uh, Brother Reichman as he comes this coming Lord's Day. God, if you don't come back, I pray, God, that you'd help us, Lord, to be here, be in our place. And, Lord, so that we can hear what you have for us through Brother Reichman. And, uh, God, we just thank you for that. Lord, we, we need you. God, we need you tonight, Lord. And, God, we pray that you'd be with our Bible study, be with the remainder of, of our worship tonight, God. And may we give way and allow you to speak to our hearts. And, Lord, may we allow you to... Move in our thoughts, God, that we'll put away those things, uh, Lord, on the outside that demand our thoughts tonight, God. And for a few minutes, that God, we will allow you to minister to the spiritual man. Because if the spiritual man, uh, God, will strengthen, God, then the fleshly man will be able to deal with some of the things that we have to deal with. So, Lord, I, I pray and ask you for spiritual strength tonight. Uh, God, I pray, Lord, a special prayer for mom and dad again, Lord. Thank you, God. It's good to see them here Sunday. And, uh, God, I pray that you'd bless them with help as well. And, and uh, Lord, just watch over them. And, Lord, we give you praise for that. Now, Lord, we come before you asking you, God, to bless this offering. Uh, Lord, we pray, God, that you'd bless the gift and the giver. And then we will be mindful to give you the praise and the glory for it because it's in Jesus' name that we pray and ask all these things. Amen. If you have an offering, you please come. for you to join us in singing hymn 596 hymn 596 victory in jesus victory in jesus hymn 596 at the conclusion of this hymn we would love for you to greet each other before we have our bible study hymn 596 victory in jesus are we there amen here we go i heard an old old story
saying. All I hear is Malachi. So y'all going to have to get with him, okay? And down there on the course, y'all just follow his lead, and he'll help you a little bit, okay? Amen. Amen. Audience participation, it's okay. Are y'all are y'all all right? Amen. All right, all right, get him for us. Amen. I heard you passed him. I also heard about a Okay, here we go. I heard about Daniel chapter 9. Really? <laughs> yeah, chapter 9. We made it to another chapter. Eight. Now, if you'll look on the bulletin board out here, there's some, uh, uh, the first, not right now, Brother Frank. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ms. Zoe, I don't know how you do it. Uh, there's some pictures of the kitchen, the first, the first design that we've had, so uh, just take a look at it, you know, and uh, I mean... To me, there's a lot of shells and a lot of room, which is really nice. So I'm, we still like one more uh, design that's coming, but you know they're pretty much going to be about the same. We're just looking at price right now. So, uh, but um, look at the pictures; they're out there. Uh, I'm, I'm excited about it, man. I'm, I've been asking some of our ladies what they would like to see in the kitchen, and some, most of the things that everybody said was space. And uh, the only way I can get a lot more space in there is for some of the men to stay out there. <laughs> uh, no, no, there's just a few. Brother, Brother Coy cooks too good. <laughs> uh, also, I was thinking about this in my study this week. I, you know, we're talking about Moses. I'm, uh, I don't get to preach this week, so it's going to be three weeks away if the Lord don't come back. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited about it because uh, I've been studying about the burning bush. 
Do you, do you know the burning bush, and this is all I'm going to tell you, the burning bush is a picture of the church? Oh, yeah. In the Old Testament. You say, man, how'd you get that? You'll have to be here to find out. Amen. But I'm telling you, man, I was over yesterday, and I said, Dad, let me show you something. And it, to me, it's neat. Dad's 90 years old, been pastoring probably 65 years. And to be able to show something to Dad, man, and I, and I was watching him at his desk. He had his Bible open, man, and he, I had a, one of his books open that I, was, that I had one of them, and I was showing him some stuff that I had found. And, and I mean, you could see the wheels turning. His, uh, he's looking at his Bible, and he's looking at, over here, and then he's looking, and, and you could see him chewing on his lip, you know. And, and then he looks up over his glasses at me, and he said, Boy, that's pretty good. Uh, so it is what a neat thing, you know. It's just, I'm telling you, uh, this side of heaven, that is pretty awesome. So uh, I'm excited about preaching on the burning bush. It is just, uh, so you read it. And if you get something out of that, then if you can see the church in there, I'm telling you, if you don't, it, that's okay. Because uh, he's been preaching that long and he hadn't. So uh, anyway. I'm excited about doing it. But right now, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 9. And uh, let's just read. um, Oh, we're going to get down as far as we can. But let's just read down through. uh, Let's just read till I stop, okay? Uh, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And by the way, I'm going to we're going to have a parenthesis in this, and we're going to. I taught a lesson on fasting to our men on our Monday night Bible study, and we're going to have a church. Uh, I'm going to teach that here in the church because I think it's important that we understand uh, the importance of, of, of prayer and fasting. But that's we see that here with Daniel. He said, "And uh, and I prayed unto the Lord my God and made." And my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces as at this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, to our princes and to our fathers because we have sinned against thee. To the Lord our God belong mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yea, all Israel have transgressed thy law, even by departing that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, 
the curse is poured out upon us and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. And he hath confirmed his words which he spake against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil for under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. And as it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works which he doeth. For we obeyed not his voice. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word. Help us to understand now what we're about to study. And Father, we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We've got to go back and finish up. The last week in chapter 8 where we were uh, talking about Daniel's vision and uh, we were talking about the, uh, uh, the, his receiving of, of that second vision and, and there at the, toward the end of chapter 8 and, and we talked about the purpose of, of Daniel's vision and it was to prepare Daniel for the end of Babylon and if you remember we talked about how God had given Daniel a panoramic view of of the uh, end of the from the Babylonian era to the uh, to the Gentile age and and God set him right in the middle of it and was trying to explain to him some things that were going to happen well we come to chapter 8 and verse 23 and we read some uh, about the Antichrist here it says uh, it talks about how he looks into the future with the king having a fierce countenance well and we talked about how that's the antichrist and and then daniel uh how he begins to talk about three persons that are labeled as a horn and the bible says the big horn the little horn and the final horn now when you start reading about all this stuff i mean it to me if you're not careful it'll get way up here really quick and so it helps when you have some uh you know i just as you i have to go and and, and kind of dig things out a little bit. And so you, but you have to be careful because when, in studying prophecy, when trying to understand prophecy, we can't forget about, uh, that, that, you know, about the meaning and what's going on here and what God's trying to teach us. We get so in, intent on trying to understand what we're saying, we forget the point. And so I, I want us to try not to do that here. So when we come to these uh, three horns, the, the, the word horn stands for king or power or kingdom. And so these three horns represent three kings. And so the revelation that we see here beginning in verse 20 in chapter 8, uh, if you turn back a page and let me read verse 20, it says, The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. And we'll just kind of go through this kind of quickly because uh, I want to get to chapter 9, but I don't want to go through it too fast. Now, the ram here is, is the Medo-Persian Empire, and we talked about this a little bit when we studied the image way back in, I believe, chapter 2. And, uh, and the prophecy in detail here describes one of the horns as being higher than the other horn, and the higher horn came up last. It came up later. Uh, and this shows how that the Medes came first and were joined by the Persians. And the Persian Empire is assimilated 
uh, or it has assimilated the median empire, just as properly said, when you assimilate something that you make it part of the, uh, of the greater good, if you will. You take, I'm taking Brother Marco and I assimilate him into me and he becomes a part of me and we become one. And, and so that's what we're seeing here uh, with the Medes uh, as they're, again, assimilated by the Persian Empire. But then you read, you continue to read, and you read about this goat. Now, the first colony, and this is kind of interesting, uh, the first colony of Greece was established by an oracle uh, that sent a goat. And this is kind of get into this, some of the, you, you know how Greece, Greek philosophy is. It just, it kind of gets out there a little bit. But again, let me read. The first colony of Greece was established by an oracle that sent a goat for a guide to build a city in an unknown place. Now, an oracle or a Greek oracle, they were women that were chosen by the gods, if you will, uh, through which divine advice was spoken through them. And people would literally travel from, I mean, literally hundreds of miles to talk to these people and ask them questions and, and because they thought that they were people who were given special uh, uh, divination abilities so that they could tell you the future and all this other stuff so people would literally travel and ask them. Well, according to Greek philosophy or mythology, this, uh, this first colony was established by one of these oracles. They sent a goat out to establish this colony. Well, the goat came to a region of Greece, and in gratitude for this goat, when it got, you know, led these people to this certain place where they set up this colony, these people, they, they built this city, and they named it, uh, and they called it A-E-G-A-E, and you can pronounce that the best way that you can, but it simply means goat. And the goat here in this chapter is Greece. And if you look in chapter 8, verses 5 through 7, you see some prophecies here that, that have been literally fulfilled uh, to the letter. I mean, to the smallest detail. And, and this is something that God does. Listen, God knows the future, and he's given it to Daniel, and Daniel is trying to write all this stuff down. And, uh, you know, how would you like to try to describe an airplane and live in Daniel's day? I mean, you know, I mean, how would you do that? How would you explain something that you've never seen, you know? But it, I'm, this is not here, but I'm just, it's about that way when Daniel's trying to describe some things. So in this prophecy, the first thing that we see, the first prophecy in verses 5 through 7 has to do with uh, the, uh, the route uh, to world conquest uh, of the Greeks. Now, this goat... And this is kind of funny to me, but it, it tells us when the goat started to move out of the west, it covered the whole earth. In other words, uh, it, it's out like a big army, and they're, they're trying to conquer everything. And this is what Greece did. In fact, the Bible says that it went so fast that it didn't even touch the ground. That's how fast this army moved. It, they didn't literally not touch the ground, but they moved in such a way and, and so fast that nobody could withstand them. And when the Greek Empire started to grow, uh, they, they just conquered everything. In fact, er, they conquered the known world at that time in 12 years. And they never lost a battle. 
Now, that is an amazing feat in of itself. One thing is to do it in 12 years, but another thing is to do it in 12 years. Well, we're not going to see the last part of this. And by the way, God said that this was going to happen before it ever took place. God said that the Greeks were going to come, and he tells us about it through this goat and, and through this ram and this, this horn that grew up. And he's simply telling us about this Greek empire that's going to take over in, in this very first prophecy. In the second prophecy, it has to do with the reputation of the king. Look in verse 21. The Bible says that the horn in the middle of the forehead of the goat was the first king of Greece. Who was the first king of Greece? A little history lesson. Yep, Alexander the Great. Alexander was the son of Philip of Macedon, or Macedon, or of, and of Olympia. Now think about this. When Alexander was growing up, his parents taught him that he was a descendant of Hercules and Achilles. All right? His father, who Philip, told his son, he said, Alexander, and, and let me read it because this is a quote. He said, seek out a kingdom worthy of yourself. Macedon is too small for you. Well, guess what Alexander the Great did? He went out and conquered the world. I mean, and he did it in 12 years. I mean, so this, I mean, world conquest for a young guy. This guy, we're going to, uh, you already know about how old he was when he died, right? 33. Uh, and we'll get to that in a minute. But to conquer the whole world before he's 33 years old in 12 years. So guess what? He had to start out really young. Uh, the third prophecy, it has to do with the ruin of the Medo-Persian Empire. God told Daniel, and you can see this all in that image, when, the, when this notable horn or the great king came to power, that he'd go against the Persians and the Medes. Well, when Alexander finally decided to take the Medes and the Persian, if you remember, he defeated the, this massive army of the Medes and the Persians with only 35,000 men. Say, and I thought, well, man, how did he do that? How did he, was he able, and by the way, he freed all the Greek cities of Asia Minor from the Persians. And when he did this, with 35,000 men, how was he able to do that with, a, with these few of them? It'd be like 35,000 men going up against a, a half a million soldiers. How did he do that? God said he would. Listen, if God says something's going to take place, guess what? It's going to take place just like he says it's going to be. No, it doesn't matter how many people you've got over here. I mean, look at Gideon. He only had 300. And so he defeated, and, and I mean, he would started out with, what, 20,000 or better? And, uh, and God said, listen, you got way too many. And then it said, man, you got way too many. And I can imagine Gideon, and, and there's only 300 left. <clears throat> and God says, okay, that'll do. And I can, I can imagine Gideon going, Lord, I don't know if that could. You said that was too many a while ago. I was beginning to think that was just right. Well, listen, when it gets down to the point where we think that, listen, there's not enough, then we're right in the right place when God can take care of things and we can look to him instead of looking to us. Same thing here. Uh, 35,000 troops. Alexander, uh, in fact, uh, Darius came to him and tried to negotiate, but, but Alexander wouldn't negotiate with him, and he uh, conquered Egypt, Tyre, Gaza, and he, he even defeated the Medes and the Persians again, just like God said he would. And by the way, God said all this was going to take place 
200 years before it ever happened. Yeah. And, you know, that just lets me know that God's word stands true. Amen. Amen. The fourth prophecy. It has to do with the death of Alexander. Uh, when Alexander conquered the Medo-Persians, he took several other Persian cities when he, and then he went on up through India. But when all this took place, his army decided they'd had enough and they wanted to go back home. And that's exactly what they did. When they went back to Babylon, and it was then, at the age of 33, that Alexander died. And it is said that he was a victim of his own drunkenness and fever, depressed in his own spirit because there were no more worlds for him to conquer, and he died at 33. Listen, God has a plan, and he'll use men to take care of that plan, but God's plan will always be the way God wants it to be. Amen. Look in verse 8, chapter 8. It tells us that at the height of his glory, it says that the great horn was broken. Um, you know, the, the, and then I'll just, I'm trying to move through this, but the last prophecy of the chapter has to do with the reorganization of the Greek Empire. And if you go and read, and we covered this a little bit a few weeks ago, that when uh, Alexander died, uh, then, the, the, I mean, here's this massive army, and the Bible tells us that it was divided up. Well, it was divided up and given to four of his generals. Uh, and they, by the way, they weren't as strong as Alexander. And for 20 years after the death of Alexander, all kinds of infighting took place until uh, the empire of, of Alexander finally just went away and was conquered as well. Uh, and and that's, that's the way it is, by the way. When we don't let God take care of things and we're trying to take, take care of things of our own, it just shows us that what we do in the strength of this flesh will not last. What we do in the strength of this flesh, whether it's emotionalism or any of those other things, it's, it is not sustainable. Listen, that's why what we do here, it must be built on the strength and the power of the Spirit of Almighty God. Because if we do it any other way, it's not going to take, it's not going to stand, it's not going to last. Now look in, I'm going to skip over the, the rest, some of this other, but I want you to look in chapter 9 and verses 1 through 4. Now we read some of this. Um, I, I read a statement the other day to kind of get us going in chapter 9, and it, it was talking about the church, and it said, we have many organizers, but few agonizers. We have many players, uh, we have many players and payers, but few prayers. We have many singers, but few clingers. Lots of pastors, but few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. It says much fashion, but little passion. Many interferers, but far too few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. And, you know, and I thought about that. Sometimes that's hard to take, but the fact is that it's true. And when we get to chapter 9 here, um, we come to uh, the prayer of Daniel. I mean, this passage is on prayer. And, and when God tries to teach us something about prayer, we got to make sure that we listen. It's like in chapter 9, God's saying, hey, I want to teach you something here, so y'all just sit up and pay attention for just a few minutes. And he calls us, you know, uh, like the Lord Jesus called Simon Peter, said, Simon, Simon, 
I mean, he said, listen, uh, pay attention here. I'm trying to teach you something. And that's what God's doing here in chapter 9. And so here in chapter 9, we find one of the Old Testament prayers. In a lot of respects, uh, uh, and you think about this, it's an illustration of prayer out in the, in the midst of prophecy. It's like a, uh, an oasis out in the middle of a desert. Here's all this stuff about prophecy and we're seeing this all through Daniel, and we're thinking, man, you know, and our, my head's about to explode and all this other stuff. And it's like there's a parenthesis right here. And God sticks an oasis here, but it's all about prayer. And, but, and this is what I was telling you a while ago. We can't get so focused on trying to understand what's going on with this, the little horn and this big horn and this big image over here and it's brass here and it's, it, you know, it's gold here and it's iron here. Man, I just don't get all that stuff. Well, wait a minute. We can't miss the part where God's trying to teach us about prayer. Listen, Daniel was a man of prayer. Amen. He may not have been much of anything else, but I'm telling you, he was a prayer warrior. Amen. And I think God may be trying to teach us the same thing here. In fact, the prophecy that gives ch this chapter its fame here in chapter 9, you know, the prophecy of the 70 weeks. Uh, listen, this prayer, get, think about this, this prayer that you read is two times bigger than the prophecy that made this chapter famous, if you will. I mean, we remember the chapter about the 70 weeks. Oh, yeah, the chapter of the 70 weeks, that's Daniel chapter 9. Well, wait a minute, there's something in there that we need to pay attention to. Amen. See, we get so focused on the 70 weeks. Man, preacher, what is that? Wait a minute, we, we're missing the whole point. We're missing the prayer. And that's what Daniel's trying to teach us. So I want to give you a few minutes about prayer and what Daniel's doing here. First, I want to tell you that life-changing prayer is motivated by the Word of God. And we're going to see that. Now, when Daniel went into captivity in Babylon uh, with the rest of the Jews, he did not have a copy of the Bible like we do. Right, now, we sometimes we forget. Listen, we have the completed word of Almighty God right here. Amen. Daniel didn't have any of that. In fact, there was no New Testament, and a lot of the Old Testament was not available. But when Daniel went into captivity, watch this, he did have some portions of the Old Testament. And one book that we know he did have was the book of Jeremiah. Yep. I mean, how do you know that? Well, we just he just said it. He told us. Yep. I mean, Jeremiah, if you remember, he ministered in the time just before the captivity and just before the Jews went into, uh, uh, went to Babylon. I mean, here's Jeremiah. He's a prophet and he's preaching repentance to the Jews. Amen. He's saying, listen, you people, you better repent. You're, God's going to, he's going to send you into captivity. And, and I hear Jeremiah just up here preaching the word of God and trying to get the people to pay attention. And he's probably beating on the pulpit and he's probably spitting and, you know, and sweating and everything else. And the people went, ah, I don't believe any of that kind of stuff. Really? We're going to put you in jail. We're going to, I mean, they did all kinds of things to him. Listen, Isaiah had prophesied the very same thing years earlier. They didn't listen to Isaiah. So God says, okay, I, listen, aren't you glad God is long-suffering to us? We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen, we're seeing a picture of it. But they wouldn't listen. In fact, Right up until the last moment, Jeremiah preached against the sin of Judah, and, and he called them out, called them to repentance. 
And you know that we, we need to hear that today. Uh, I mean, I'm, and, that, and my brain's going to some other stuff that I've been studying. But I'm telling you, listen, nobody wants to hear about that anymore. They, we, I mean, we, we preach stuff, and, and preachers stand here in this place, and they preach, and they say, listen, they, I can see this. Do you ever tell your kids that? Hey, hello, listen, I can see you headed in a direction, and if you don't stop it, God's going to judge you, or this is going to happen. And, and your kids look at you and like, you know, just like my dad was telling me yesterday, he said, man, I remember watching my dad, and I thought he was the dumbest individual that ever walked. He said, I went to school one day, and he said, my dad goes, I thought, man, I am not going to school anymore. I turned in all of my books. He said, I went to the principal's office and said, this is my last day. And he said, I went home, and when I got home, my dad asked me how I was doing. And, 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 and he said, your granddaddy looked at me and said, he said, tomorrow morning. At about 8 o'clock, you're going to be back down at that principal's office and you're going to get your books back. And he said, and if you don't get your books back, there's going to be a whole lot of problems between me and you when you get home later. I said, what would you do? He said, I went and got my book back. And you know, I can see it here. Jeremiah is preaching to these people and he's saying, listen, you're headed for trouble. And they just walk right out and walk right into the judgment of Almighty God. They wouldn't repent. And they were all carried away into captivity. Well, when Daniel's about 85, uh, he's reading the book of Jeremiah. Right here, we're reading it. Uh, and, and something spoke to him uh, from God's word. And, and I think maybe uh, it's Jeremiah. If you look over to uh, Jeremiah. Look in uh, chapter 25. I'll get there. And look in verse 8 through 11. It says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because ye have not heard my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all the nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and a perpetual desolation. I think he's probably reading somewhere in here. Moreover, it says, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the bride, and the sound of the millstones and the, the light of the candle. I mean, God's fixing to get them. He's fixing to clean their plow, so to speak. He says, and this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon, and that nation saith the Lord for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it. Uh, perpetual desolations. And I will bring upon that land all my words which I have pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah had prophesied against all the nations. For many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of them also, and I will recompense them according to their deeds and according to, their, uh, to the works of their own hands. Listen, I think Daniel is reading this. I mean, here he is. He's been in Babylon. Now think about it. Um, I mean, 
Daniel, he knows about all this. Uh, and he's lived through all, most of it. And Daniel watched. He watched the Jews as, as the God said. Their, 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 the song was taken out of the hearts of the people. The Bible says in Psalm 137 that they, they hung their harps on the willow because they couldn't sing a, their song in a strange land. I mean, he, he watched as the very life was taken out of their Jewish culture. And, and, but that's not the part I, that caught Daniel's attention. It's right, what caught his attention is right here, verses 11 through 14. Remember, Daniel's in his mid-80s, and now he reads the prophecy of Jeremiah while he's been here in Babylon, and he knows by reading this that the 70 years are almost gone. He's reading that, man, it's been almost 70 years since he's been in captivity, and he reads this stuff, and and he gets to thinking, man, this is almost over. I mean, he gets, listen, it gets a hold of his heart because he begins to realize it's time for the, 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 the Jews to return to Jerusalem and start building. And he realizes that, uh, that it's almost time for God to redeem his people and God's about to set them free. Listen, I'm telling you, the prophecy got a hold of him in such a way, watch, that he fell on his knees and he started praying. That's what he's doing here in chapter 9. Listen, he, he, he realized that, 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 that this thing is about to come to an end. And I thought, you know, Lord, that's exactly how the, the effect that reading the Word of God ought to have on us. It ought to drive us to our knees, especially nowadays. Listen, have we not read that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man? Listen, if we have read that, it ought to drive us to our knees. Listen, Daniel's trying to teach us something here about prayer. When we really come to grips with the prophecy and the word of God, this is the effect it ought to have on us. We ought to not try to understand it so hard and and realize that maybe God's just trying to teach us about prayer, that in these last days, maybe we should become a people of prayer. Listen, we ought to fall on our knees and ask God to help us. Listen, let me, let me read that again. That life-changing prayer is motivated by the Word of God. Amen. Life-changing prayer is measured by the will of God. i got seven minutes. Now, Daniel is reading here, and he read, he's reading here in the book of Jeremiah that God's going to keep his people in captivity for 70 years, and then he's going to let them go. He's going to release them. And when Daniel reads about what God is going to do, he begins to pray. And watch, and, and he begins to pray that God will do what he says he's going to do. Well, don't we believe that God's going to do what he says he's going to do? Well, Daniel begins to pray and say, Lord, do it. Go ahead. You know, sometimes I get to thinking about the rapture of, uh, of the church and of the people of Almighty God and and, you know, and I get to thinking about that, and you know what I say? I, I begin to pray, and I say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. I'm saying, Lord, do it. Yep. Come on. So my wife, I don't know how I started doing this. She started telling me stuff the, the other day. and Well, I'm going to go do this. You know what I say? Do it. <laughs> well, I'm going to go outside, and, or I'm going to go take out. Do it. You know, she just laughs, and, and we have, listen, that's exactly what Daniel's doing. He reads that prophecy, and he gets excited about it, and he says, Lord, man, let, let's, let's get this thing rolling. 
And that's the way we ought to do. Listen, God's plan was revealed to Daniel. Then Daniel falls to his knees in prayer. But oftentimes, listen, we we misunderstand the meaning of prayer, what it's for. See, if you believe that, that the will of God is perfect, then you want, listen, then we ought not want God to change his perfect will. But sometimes, if we're not careful, we have, uh, uh, you know, we have a tendency to spend a lot of time trying to get God to change his will to match us. Lord, I sure do want to go over here, and if you can work this out for me, and God, if you could change this, and if you, oh, no, wait a minute. God's will is God's will. Is it, if, is it, it his will is either perfect or it's not. I mean, uh, the reality of prayer, listen, is that we ought to be motivated out of an understanding of what the will of God is. I've told a lot of people this over the years, but watch, the will of God will never contradict His Word. The will of God will never be contrary to His book, ever. I mean, prayer's not a vehicle for getting your way on earth through heaven. In fact, you remember the disciples? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he says, okay, when you pray, pray this will. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Wait a minute, keep going. On our earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Lord, help us to do your perfect will. Not, Lord, you know, I sure, you know, I need to. I don't like this job, and even though you gave it to me, I sure do need another one. Or, or Lord, I, I, I need this other car over here, you know. Or, wait a minute, listen, we get started praying, and we pray amiss. Right. Uh, when I pray, listen, there's things that I've been praying about lately, and if I'm not careful, I get in the flesh. Yeah. Y'all ever that way? Amen. But if I pray enough, I catch myself, and I say, okay, Lord, I'm... I really didn't mean none of that. But Lord, if you'll just, if you'll have your way. Lord, this is the outcome that I'd like, but only according to your perfect will. Uh, That's what Daniel's trying to teach us. I mean, when we pray, it's not God who changes. It's us. Amen. Um, I I don't have time to get through this other one, but I'll give you the first part of it. Life-changing prayer uh, uh, is measured by the will of God. But the third one is life-changing prayer is manifested in our walk with God. Um, If you notice the frequency of Daniel's prayer, prayer ought not be something that we do in a a point of time, but but ought to be a a way of life. I mean, we see that Daniel prayed three times a day. But it wasn't just because that's what he did at that time of day. No, uh, that was a way of life for him. I mean, uh, if you look in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, we we went over all this. It's a testimony to the frequency of Daniel's praying. But it was a way of life for him. He wasn't going to change. That's what he did. The Bible says, I mean, when he knew that that law was made against him, he knew it was against him. That they, they, he knew they were trying to get him. But the Bible said that Daniel did, watch, as he did aforetime. Uh, in other words, this is something he'd been doing a long time. 
uh, and here he is in his 80s. And you know what he's going to do? Just like he did before. Just like he did yesterday. Just like he did last year. Just like he did 10 years ago. Probably just like he did as a young man. I mean, because Daniel had been doing this a long time. He was a prayer warrior. And, and God's trying to teach us some things here uh, about prayer. I mean, if, if Daniel wasn't flippant about prayer, neither should we be. Amen. I mean, do, um, I was studying this the other day, and this is in a, something else and, that I've got going. But the Bible says that the effectual, James chapter 5, I believe it is, verse 17, somewhere in there, maybe 417. But it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's two words there at the very beginning of, of that. It says the effectual fervent. Almost all translations other than, than our King James Bible, not our King, it's not a version, it's our Bible. All the other ones have, have changed that to say that the, uh, the fervent prayers... In other words, if you pray, it'll have a great effect. But that's not what the verse says. The effectual fervent prayer. And if you go and study that out, I'm telling you, God says the effectual. God said it just like it's supposed to be. The effectual fervent prayers. In other words, it's not one of these little three-cent prayers that we come sometime and do, Lord, you know, I've had a rough week or I've had a rough day. You know, if you can help me out, it would be great. Okay, thank you. See ya. Yeah. No, that word fervent means heartfelt. It means something that comes down from the depths of our soul. It means that we weep when we do it. We put some labor into our prayer. Yeah. And it literally goes right along with what Daniel's doing here in Daniel chapter 9, fasting and praying. It's telling this old flesh, no, this is serious. I mean, um, we've got folks in our church that have cancer. You think they're serious about prayer when they pray? Oh, yeah. Uh, You think people that have had loved ones that have been in car accidents, you know, you think they get serious about prayer? Oh, yeah. Listen, that's the way that prayer ought to be. Fervent. uh, with, With fervor, with... With, with something that comes from deep in our soul. And God says, the effectual fervent prayers. Uh, can I encourage you today? Be fervent in your prayer. E- in effectual and fervent in our praying. And when we do, then the last part of that verse says, it, wait a minute, the effectual fervent prayer of a yeah, a righteous man. You know, a lot of lost people try to pray. They can't pray because their iniquities have separated between us and God. Yeah. And by the way, um, Daniel had trouble praying. He prayed, and you know, it was it was uh, like twenty one days before the prayer, the answer got back. We're gonna get to that too. Listen, I'm telling you, be a prayer warrior. Daniel's trying to teach us about prayer so I want to encourage you be effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man it'll avail much and God will bless you for it amen father help us Lord help us to be prayer warriors Daniel certainly was